today on Ag News Daily. As I developed my uh, skill set as a feedlot consultant, the link between health and productivity and profitability to nutrition became very evident and apparent to me. And this is one of the most exciting approaches to feedlot nutrition that I've seen in my 20 years career as a feedlot consultant. January 4th, 2024, the Ag News Daily Podcast here to bring you the latest headlines and news before we jump into a really cool conversation. Delaney, are you ready to go? I guess I am, Tanner, although, you know. I'm not loving the fact that it's still dark out at 7.15, 7.20 in the morning. You know, I saw a meteorologist friend of mine say that it's only 45 days away until the sun will start to set after 6 p.m. I can't believe it's only 45 days away. That feels like a very long 45 days away. <laughs> it is amazing how long winter feels, but uh, some of our friends are going to get more of a taste of winter. We've got winter weather advisories in effect for a large chunk of land. We're looking at south central Nebraska all the way south into the Texas panhandle, according to the National Weather Service. Western Kansas could get up to three inches of snow starting this afternoon. Some parts of eastern Colorado will see five inches of snow. The snow is also forecasted to be fairly deep in the Oklahoma and Texas panhandles. Five inches are also forecasted in those areas. Of course, throughout this entire area, we're looking at roads and bridges being especially slick, as well as minimum maintain roads. So we'll continue to keep an eye on that. Looks like here we're going to be experiencing typical January weather for Iowa, North Dakota, South Dakota, Minnesota, Wisconsin. Just looking at partially cloudy skies today with temperatures below freezing. So uh, not a lot going on in the upper Midwest. Sounds like the storm's tracking more to the south. Well, we better get an update here maybe from one of our weather experts, Tanner, as we're continuing to watch South American weather. Eric Snodgrass was on Farm Journal earlier this week and said that, of course, one of the reasons we've been seeing sinking soybean prices has been the South American rains that have started to come. And of course, we know that a lot of South America has been impacted by a severe drought. However, Snodgrass says that he thinks the rain could do more harm than good at this point, even impacting the planting of the safrina corn crop. He says the sudden wet weather switch from the drought that plagued uh, vital soybean production in the growing area could lead to things like disease and uh, other causes of seeing such a rapid switch from no rain to now lots of rain. The forecast is pointing to as much as 8 to 10 inches of rain in the next two weeks and could do more harm than good. So uh, we'll continue to keep an eye on that. The markets may not care, Tanner, if that does more harm or good, but they will care about what the USDA puts out in the next WASDE report when it comes to South American production. Yeah, I had seen that as well. It'll be interesting to see how that plays out. The Minnesota Department of Agriculture's Rural Finance Authority is now accepting their applications for the 2024 beginning farmer tax credit. This annual pro program will give landlords with or those who are asset owners who rent or sell farmland equipment or livestock or other agricultural assets to beginning farmers a tax credit. These asset owners can claim credit in one of the following categories to work with beginning farmers either in cash rent, share crop, farmland sales, all other equipment 
and livestock sales, these tax credit amounts could be as high as 15% when we look at items in place and all the way down to as low as 4%. Funds are limited, so early application is encouraged. In total, about $4 million is available in 2024. The beginning farmer tax credit program is a first-come, first-served manner, so applicants are encouraged to apply early. This $4 million is less than the 6.5 that was available last year, so get in early if you think you as a landlord or someone that's assisting beginning farmers could take advantage of this beginning farmer tax credit, Delaney. I saw that as well. Tanner, I'll keep things moving here. Missouri is the latest state to join the others that have officially banned foreign purchases of farmland. Governor Mike Parson announced on Tuesday that the state of Missouri was putting into place a ban on the purchase of agricultural land in Missouri by citizens and businesses from six specific nations when that property lays within 10 miles of critical military facilities. The six countries that have been specifically banned from any sort of foreign farmland purchase within that 10-mile radius was China, Russia, Iran, North Korea, Cuba, and Venezuela, and the nation designated these as foreign adversaries. Parsons said they have no issues yet, but they want to be proactive against any potential threats, and uh, they have therefore put this executive power into law. Tanner, the kicker is it's not on farmland purchases. It's just on farmland purchases within a 10-mile radius of critical military facilities. So it doesn't ban foreign farmland ownership altogether, but just with some of those key positions. Interesting. Yeah, that uh, is a step in that direction, but not necessarily going the entire way. Sukup Manufacturing acquired an automation distributor, Ramco. Sukup announced that it acquired Ramco Innovations. Both companies are based out of Iowa. This acquisition will form a new entity called Sukup Innovations, which will encompass all the Ramco technologies, as well as merging with technologies for Sukup. Ramco Innovations was founded in 1962. They are a leading distributor of automation products across the Midwest. It has 65 employees, which will transition into the new entity. The Sukup family is excited to embark upon this journey. The collaboration will represent a significant milestone for both companies and reaffirm their dedication to the agricultural industry. They're looking to continue to provide comprehensive high-tech solutions tailored to agriculture. Sukup's lineup of grain storage, handling, and drying solutions will now have the advantage of automation, including those in-house items that will be done now through the Ramco side or which is going to be Sukup Innovation. It's exciting to see here as Ramco speaker Norum said that myself and the Ramco team have been honored to be a part of this innovative venture and are excited to, about the endless possibilities that are ahead. Leveraging the collective strengths between both companies will provide both Iowa and the state of agriculture a huge leap forward. So a little announcement there on an acquisition. Well, Tanner, this was not such a pleasant piece of news, but this past October 2023, a group of small farmers 
in Missouri and Arkansas received the news that a Tyson facility in Dexter, Missouri, which processes or did process poultry, was shutting down. Just a few months later, in December of 2023, this group of small farmers has decided to sue the Dexter Tyson facility. The suit filed in Stoddard County, Missouri in late December is against Tyson Foods, their chicken and sales divisions, and a couple of managers at the Dexter facility. The lawsuit from this farmer from these farmers allege that they the Tyson officials knew that this facility was going to be closing down, but the farmers still made investments and incurred more debt without knowing Tyson's plans. The lawsuit also alleges that Tyson and the local managers did not disclose the possibility of closing the Dexter facility and also actively concealed plans to close the processing plant, which left a lot of farmers high and dry with contracts that they could no longer fulfill at this Dexter facility. You know, this is uh, just the first step here. I'm sure Tyson will work quickly to potentially try and settle this case. But nonetheless, there are a lot of unhappy farmers and farmers left with some big infrastructure debt and poultry that has to go somewhere. Yeah, that uh, certainly will be something that we assume is going to be settled rather quickly. Fed cattle weights have a distinct seasonal pattern. They usually hit their seasonal lows in May to June and their highs later in the year. And that's the same case for 2023. However, dressed weights for cattle were below 2022 levels until early May when some of the tighter beef supplies hit. Steer dress weights then climbed seasonally to about equal of the year before until late in the year to where we hit a record Delaney of a 940 pound dressed weight steer carcass. The increase in steer dress weights contributed to additional 3 million pounds of beef per week in November and December. These record high dressed weights should not be a surprise as long-term participants in the cattle market know that there's been a steady growth in weights over time. Since 1964, these steer dressed weights have averaged, have been tracked and the average pounds in 1964 was 662. So this is nearly 300 pound heavier animals in 2023. The average for 2023 estimate was 907 pounds for the year, and it hit a record high of 910. So strong dress weights there in the fourth quarter, third and fourth quarter of 2023 led to breaking both of those records. There is a three pound annual decline that is projected for 2024. So we will see how that plays into the market as cattle entered December with the cattle on feed report over 120 days. There was less than a year before. So we'll continue to keep an eye on that, but producers are looking to maintain lower feed costs than the year before, which simply could imply maybe exceeding that prediction for next year with some more heavier carcass weights, Delaney. Well, Tanner, the final story I have here is we continue to look at how the drought in South America has impacted lots of other things besides just crops. The Panama Canal has finally released an official plan to address some of the water shortages with both short-term and long-term measures. As the Panama Canal has faced water shortage challenges during this dry season, 
and longer-term solutions have been explored, some of the short-term solutions point to the canal releasing water from other lakes as a secondary reservoir to allow for 24 vessels a day, which is still lower than pre-drought capacity, but does increase from where we are today. Longer term, they said the primary solution to chronic water shortages involves damming up the Indio River and drilling a tunnel through a mountain to pipe fresh water into Lake Gatun, the main reservoir for the canal. So this is going to be a long project. They said it's going to cost an estimated $2 billion and will take at least six years to complete once a feasibility study by the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers is done. That study is currently already underway, so they're moving quickly on this, but it is going to be a long process to rebuild and uh, hopefully fix the Panama Canal issues. So this does not happen again in the future. Certainly sounds like it. I've just got a couple of Israel Hamas updates. The Israel Defense Forces warned Palestinians to use the coastal road and not the main road going north and south as operations will intense in the central and southern region, uh, regions of Gaza. The, the Iran-backed Hezbollah is warning that there could be a limitless response if Israel decides to wage war on Lebanon, Lebanon following the strike that killed, their, uh, killed a senior Hamas leader in Beirut. Meanwhile, fears of the wider regional conflict are now under consideration from Iranian officials. They are looking for ways to create a group to potentially protect themselves from a future invasion. So we'll continue to keep an eye on what's happening in that region. But where do markets look this morning? Markets are trading uh, mostly lower here in the overnights as we head into our opening session. Corn was trading light, slightly lower this morning after posting some small gains yesterday, but Tuesday's USDA crush report showed a higher ethanol grind than expected. And today, ethanol production numbers will be revised, and uh, we'll see how that impacts the markets for tomorrow. March corn this morning is down three quarters of a cent at 464. March soybeans down four pennies at 1273. Chicago March wheat down four and three quarters cents at 594. Hard red winter wheat down five and three quarters cents at 615 and three quarters. And March spring wheat down a penny and a quarter at 707 and a quarter. As we take a look at the livestock markets and a quick look at where they ended the board yesterday, February live cattle shed seven and a half cents. We'll open this morning at a buck 71.85. March feeder cattle added 57 and a half cents, opening this morning at 227.02. And February lean hawks down two cents to open this morning at 65.30. Tanner, we are chatting today cattle and a new tool for cattle producers. Farmer Business Network's Dr. Brian Dorsey joins us to discuss the Perfectus feed tool. So let's turn it over to that conversation. Well, I'm super excited to dig into a follow-up conversation that we had. It's been a little while now with Charles Barron of Farmers Business Network. We talked about the new Profectus feed tool that Farmers Business Network launched. We're today going to dig into that new tool a little bit more in depth with Dr. Brian Dorsey, the Director of Veterinarian Strategy for FBN. Brian, thanks for joining us on the podcast today. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm excited. 
So before we dig into the new Perfectus feed tool and some of the research that's been done behind the tool, give our listeners a little bit of a background on you and how you wound up at FBN. Yeah, um, I've been a vet- practicing veterinarian for the last 20 years in Southwest Minnesota. Um, graduated uh, from Iowa State in 2003. When I came to Worthington, the Worthington practice, uh, it was a mixed animal practice, so we did a lot of swine, dairy, and beef. And through our practice, we've allowed our veterinarians to gravitate toward their species of specialty and and develop their specialist skills. And my specialty skill that um, I was excited about was feedlot medicine at the time. And back in when I originally came, the ethanol industry was in full boom in Southwest Minnesota and Northwest Iowa. So lots of distillers grains, um, lots of investment in cattle feeding facilities and with that, I grew up in our practice um, as a feedlot uh, veterinarian and a feedlot consultant. As, as I developed my uh, skill set as a feedlot consultant, the link between health and productivity and profitability um, to nutrition became very evident and apparent to me. And so we fast forward today to talk about Perfectus Feed, and it may seem strange to some to have a veterinarian on the on the call uh, talking about uh, Perfectus Feeds, but this is one of the most exciting uh, approaches to feedlot nutrition that I've seen in my 20-year career as a feedlot consultant. So I'm happy to be here to share some of the details and some of the the discovery that we've had within FBN um, and hope to bring to the rest of the producers out in the industry. I love that you mentioned, you know, having a, a background as a veterinarian, people might be thinking, why are you going to be talking about a new feed tool that's tied to nutrition and ROI? But as you mentioned, those pieces that you've seen through your research really kind of pull together the full picture and look at it at an aggregated level. And I think a lot of times the assumption has been made that we should look at feedlot health and nutrition and economics as three separate pieces. But in fact, you're posing in Perfectus Feeds new tool is posing. We really need to look at these things as an aggregate together. Absolutely. I think that's one of the things that traditionally had had gone on in, in feedlot production is we had a certain um, set of skill sets for nutrition and a cer- certain set of skills for, for health. And those two should never cross the line. And my consulting career, some of the biggest gains that I made for the producers that I work for um, were when I reached across the the line and, and brought the nutrition partner on that farm into the conversation about what I'm seeing as health and really developed this relationship. Uh, and, and I got, I got to peer into the nutrition nuances uh, early in my career. And when I, as they taught me, it made a big difference on how we, uh, how I approach my veterinary protocols, my treatment protocols and what, uh, what stages of production those animals were at. And so having a, a consistent and uh, collaborative relationship on a farm between your veterinarian and your nutritionist, I think is super important. And it's been one of the biggest tools I've used to increase productivity for the farmers I work with. Absolutely. So as we dig into a little bit more of the Perfectus feeds and the ROI and the research done behind it, as I mentioned, we chatted with Charles Barron a couple of weeks ago now. And listeners, if you have not listened to that episode with Charles, I encourage you to go back and do so because he gives a really great high-level overview of what the new Perfectus feed tool is from FBN. But from your perspective, Ryan, 
talk to us about some of the research that went into developing this new tool and really what does it tell producers about their bottom line? Yeah, so lots of research um, went into this. And, and one of the most interesting things is um, the the balancing of the diet for specific amino acids and specific ratios of amino acids um, is even today um, thought impossible or un, unheard of in a ruminant because we've been doing it for years in the swine and the poultry world uh, where we're balancing for specific amino acids and seeing productivity gains as well as improvements um, in in many um, aspects of of health and and uh, profitability for the farm, um, but the rumen was it was never thought that we could get these amino acids through the rumen, and that is still today the tradition or the paradigm in feedlot medicine that um, that this is impossible. Um, our Profectus feed uh, program is built on the years of research of uh, Dr. Monty Curley, who's on staff at the University of Missouri. Um, a great nutritionist and proposed um, the fact that we could get these amino acid benefits that we see in these other monogastric species um, to the the feedlot industry um, if we balance them in the correct ratios and if we uh, feed them at the right time. And so Perfectus Feed um, took Dr. Mani's um, research and to the next level essentially and, and made it commercially available. So Dr. Mani, um, through the through um, the other nutritionists and veterinarians at FBN, we've been able to develop an algorithm and a specific way that we balance the diet to get these amino acids further down in the gut where they're more highly absorbed. And so through that we see reduction in uh, feed intake um, and increasing gain. So our feed efficiency picks up dramatically as we um, start to uh, get those amino acids right in the rumen. We also see um, improvements in average daily gain. And we've got a number of trials where, although we were not measuring health in those trials, we were actually measuring weight gain and productivity. Um, we did see a, a improvement or a reduction in the number of cattle that we um, treated on the Perfectus diets versus the control diets. So, um, as I said before, health and, and uh, nutrition are are joined at the hip, so to speak. Um, we did see that um, through all of our research as we balance the the diets uh, for correct amino acids to get these animals to their to achieve their highest genetic potential um, that that we sometimes um, forget about. Mm -hmm. And so, as you think about combining health, nutrition the economic impact of all of those factors, the Perfectus feed tool is really looking at how to improve feed efficiency, increase profits and enhance digestive health. What does the platform actually look like for a producer to use? Is it a mobile application? Is it on their tablet? And what kind of data and information are they providing to be able to track all of those feeds? Yeah, so the Perfectus feed system is um, essentially uh, a set of ingredients that go in to achieve this proper amino acid ratio in the rumen to, to impact productivity. So we uh, formulate diets just like we would, just like traditional um, nutritionists have always formulated diets. We formulate those through the lens of a specific amino acid ratio. Um, and, and through that, 
um, we see increased productivity, uh, weight gain, feed efficiency. So we measure that on all the platforms uh, that are out there for uh, feedlot software. Um, so it's really a feed um, system more so than it is a, an application. So it's the way we formulate the diet. Our recipe is balanced so that we can get those amino acids to the hind gut. And that generally will translate between uh, improved feed efficiency and improved average daily gain into a uh, $100 a head um, improvement in return or a $100 a head return on investment over and above the increased cost of the diet um, for the producer. That's really great to hear, Brian. And and I love just, again, the whole idea of pulling all of these factors together. When you look at flow and the operation, does this new tool work for all different types of beef and cattle operation, or is it specific to the feedlot grower? So this technology works best in the, the cattle feeding, the feedlot um, part of production. Um, you know, the cows and the calves um, out there generally... Um, the mama cow um, generally just has to meet her maintenance requirements where these animals are putting on lean growth in the feed yard. The amino acids translate into, into lean growth. And that's what uh, is part of the secret sauce, so to speak, is to take the genetic potential of these animals, get them the right amino acids balanced in their diet, and then let them take off and go to the races. So as we have these cattle on feed where we're trying to get uh, maximum growth and maximum feed efficiency, our approach really uh, speaks to the backgrounder and feedlot segment. And as you look at maybe next steps for developing the Perfectus Feeds tool, I know this is a brand new tool, so it might be hard to forecast what's coming down the pipeline next. But what are some of those next focuses, either from an R&D perspective or from a product development perspective that FBN's focused on? Yeah, we've got a research facility in Southern Illinois that we use right now that We've got a number of different iterations of the Perfectus feed um, on test right now. Um, and so how, what, what best uh, amino acids do we look at? What, uh, what category of cattle, um, age structure of cattle? Those are all things that we're looking at at the research facility. And so what we're really struggling to do right now is to, to get the industry up to speed with what Perfectus brings to the table. This technology was once thought impossible, and um, Dr. Curley has kind of provided the unlock um, through his algorithms to get these amino acids through the, the rumen. So our, our biggest battle right now is to get the rest of the industry up to speed with, with what Perfectus is doing. Awesome. Well, Brian, before we let you go, if any of our listeners would like to dig into the new tool for themselves, where's the best place to go to do so? Best place to go is fbn.com. Um, we've got the Perfectus feed um, details uh, listed on our livestock page. Um, and uh, we can get in contact with our veterinarians, nutritionists, um, or any of our folks that are out in the country um, through that fbn.com. Fantastic, Brian. Well, thanks again for joining on the podcast today. Certainly appreciate your time. Yeah, thanks for having me. Well, there you go. Another great conversation to kick off 2024. Looking forward to the episode tomorrow. But for today, what do you say, Delaney? Should we let him go? Let's let him go.